Well, good morning, church family, and uh, happy new year. If this is your first Sunday here at Windsor Road, I'm uh, just delighted to uh, get the opportunity to worship with you. My name is Randy, and I'm privileged to be the lead minister here at the church. And um, so I came across um, something in my email the other day. Someone sent me 101 motivational quotes for the new year. So I won't torture you with all 101, but uh, here are some uh, highlights. The first one came from C.S. Lewis. Who knew that C.S. Lewis was a motivational speaker? But (laughs) judge for yourself. Isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different? That's good. How about this one? Um, someone said, a year from now, you'll wish you had started today. That's good, isn't it? And then there's this, don't put in half of the effort unless you're okay with half of the results. That'll preach. Uh, If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. So there. And then I like this one. This is by Roger Staubach. He used to be a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, There are no traffic jams along the extra mile. Nice. Well, I wish I'd said that. And then, now this one's from an Okie. Okay? Only Okies can think stuff like this up. The difference between try and triumph is a little umph. Huh? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And if, if you're not really into the motivational speaker thing, I get it. I totally understand because, you know, it doesn't, you know, you think, well, motivational stuff doesn't really last that long anyway. Okay, this next one's for you. People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. So there, put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's, that's what my mom would say. Anyway, welcome to Windsor Road Christian Church. This was maybe your first and last Sunday. I hope not. I, I hope not because I'll tell you, you know, we really are gathering here to partly motivate one another. That's what we learn in Uh, The letter uh, to the Hebrews, chapter 10. Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, uh, but uh, encourage one another all the more. Uh, Part of the purpose of our gathering is motivational, to inspire one another on toward love and good deeds. And we need that. We really do, because God has not wired us to simply live individually Uh, we're wired also to be in community. And so we need some time alone. Uh, And uh, every introvert in this room, along with me, would say, yeah, I like alone time. And we also need time in community. And community is not just what happens when we're in this room gathered, but it also happens Uh, in our community spaces throughout the facility. But the purpose, though, is to inspire one another and to motivate one another 
toward love and good deeds. And one of the good deeds that I want us to consider this morning is to motivate one another toward prayer. Praying more in 2016. Now, what would that look like? Well, what kind of prayer? Well, that's what I want us to discuss this morning. And to do that, I want to give you one more quote. It's from Charles Spurgeon, who pastored in London uh, 150 years ago. He said this, Anything which helps me glorify God is a blessing indeed. Anything which helps me glorify God is a blessing indeed. And you may be saying, what's motivational about that? Let me explain. Anything? Anything? Like money? Like finances? Like prosperity? Anything? Are you sure about that, Charles? Huh? And if so, is it okay to pray about that? Is it even okay to think about that? Anything? You know what? Someone has thought about that. Someone has thought about that enough to write a song about that, which is in the Bible, one of the Psalms. And I want us to consider a psalm which is about what Charles Spurgeon's quote is about. Anything? Anything. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. You'll find that on page 481 of your church Bibles. If you don't have a copy of God's Word to call your own, please feel free to take uh, the copy that's in the pouch in front of you, put your name in it, and receive it as a gift from this church family. Uh, Psalm 67 was a song uh, written for God's people And it was thought to have been the last song sung after God's people had gathered in Jerusalem at the temple and they were getting ready to go back to their homes and villages and families and fields. But before they left, they departed with this song, this psalm. And I thought it would be nice if we all just recited it together, Psalm 67. So let's do that. Here we go. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is God's word. Amen. Amen. So this psalm was sung at the conclusion of a season of worship that God's people had gathered in the temple in Jerusalem, and they're getting ready to return. And before they leave, they ask God for a blessing. God bless us. But what kind of blessing is this? 
Is this a spiritual blessing? Are God's people asking the Lord to give them a spiritual blessing? God, make us kinder. Uh, Make us uh, more forgiving. God, would you please uh, work in us a more merciful spirit? Help us be people of character, people of integrity. Is that the kind of blessing that God's people are seeking the Lord in Psalm 67? No. God's people are asking for a financial blessing. God's people are asking God to prosper them, to help them flourish throughout the coming year. That's what's behind verses 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. Oh God, as we leave our time of worship and go back to our families and go back to our fields and go back to our farms and we get ready for this coming growing season. God, we can prepare the field and we can can, uh, uh, furrow the soil. We can prepare the crops. We can plant the seed. But Lord, you send the rain. You send the sunshine. And we pray that you do that in a way that would allow our crops to flourish. God, would you please keep predators away from our crops? And would you please keep disease away from our crops? And Lord, would you allow our harvest to be bountiful and plentiful and full and help us get a good price for the crops as well? Oh, God, bless us. Help us flourish. There's no flinching in these verses over that kind of request, is there? There's no pausing, there's no hesitation, there's no doubting. There is humble confidence coming before the Lord, anticipating that He will answer in a way that glorifies Himself. So God's people, they ask, oh God, bless me, prosper me, help me. May we flourish in the year to come. That's what's going on here in these verses. Have you ever prayed that kind of a prayer? Are farmers the only people who get to pray this? What about the rest of us? What about school teachers? What about educators? God, as I return to my classroom, Lord, would you please prosper me, help me flourish. Help my students uh, understand and and, uh, come to class prepared. And God, give me the kind of tools that will will enable them to to be educated and, and keep the classroom safe. Keep the school grounds safe. Oh, Lord, bless me. Prosper me. Is it okay for educators to pray that? What about healthcare providers? Oh, God, as I begin to see patients in the coming year. Lord, help me. Help me be a good health care provider. Help me, give me wisdom so that I will be able to heal the people that you send into my office. Oh, Lord, uh, help me have as much energy at 4.30 in the afternoon 
as I do at 7.30 in the morning. Help me. Prosper me. God bless me. Is that okay? What about account executives? Those of you who have maybe a particular territory or those of you who have a staff of sales executives and you're leading them and managing them. God, help me. Give me wisdom. Uh, Help me work through my team in a way that we meet the needs of the client. And Lord, send many clients. Send many people who will be aided by the help that we can give them in our business. What about construction managers uh, or or, uh, those in the construction business? God, God, please help me get the bids uh, and help me uh, give an accurate bid and so that the client would receive that bid and help us win that bid. And then, oh God, uh, put together the, the right people who can build the project the way it needs to be built so that the client is served. May it happen uh, on time and under budget. Oh God, prosper me. Help me flourish. Oh Lord, please, please. And what about students? Oh Lord, help me get my schoolwork in. Help me get that paper done. Help me uh, uh, give a, a stellar a defense for my final project. And, and so may my professors write references that will allow me to get to the school that will enable me to fulfill the vocation you have for me. God bless me, prosper me. Is, is that okay? What about preachers? <laughs> oh, Lord, send many people to your church in the coming year and help us to be able to adequately pastor them and, and, and uh, show them Jesus so that they can meet Jesus. And God, help me preach well. Help me uh, put together uh, sermons that are biblically based and help me show the relevance of your word to the people who gather here. And God, make me interesting. And Lord, if you can't make me interesting, Make me brief. Um, (laughs) Amen? Yeah. God, help me. Bless me. Flourish me. That's what's going on in these verses. Psalm 67. Hmm. So that's okay. Well, what makes it okay? What would make... A request like what we've been speaking of, acceptable. What's the reason behind this request? What what motive makes this a worthy prayer? What makes God bless me with prosperity? What makes that worthy? What makes that? Why should we why should we pray that prayer? Huh? Well, I know why we shouldn't pray that prayer. Right? I mean, there is a false doctrine that America, and specifically American Christianity, has exported, which I believe is damaging and uh, really everything against the gospel. And it's called prosperity gospel. And maybe some of you, at the beginning of this message, were kind of worried that that's where we were going. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, all right. First Sunday, last Sunday, uh, see you in heaven, Bolting House. Well, the prosperity gospel is heresy. Because the prosperity gospel 
uh, is a false teaching that views faith as a tool to force God to grant prosperity. The prosperity gospel is heresy because it smacks of material entitlement. The prosperity gospel views prayer to God as sort of an incantation to obligate God. The prosperity gospel uh, uh, suggests that if you just kind of crack the prayer code, then that will just kind of automatically unleash all of the tangible treasures of heaven upon you. And that's the problem of the prosperity gospel. It makes you the center of the gospel. And the prosperity gospel makes you the hero of the Christian faith and not God. And uh, prosperity gospel preachers often quote James chapter 4. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Well, what they forget is to read the rest of that verse, which says this. You ask... And do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And church family, God does not answer selfish requests that do not honor his name. And even even a prayer like Psalm 67 or other prayers in the Bible that are wonderful prayers can be twisted if they are curved inwardly on our own hearts and our own selfishness. I'm thinking of this uh, prayer in 1 Chronicles 4.10. Uh, Jabez. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. And, well, that's a wonderful prayer. It's also a prayer that can be turned inward and be selfish. And it's also a prayer that can be, you know, misunderstood to think that, well, if I just say it enough or if I say it hard enough or if I cry enough when I say it or if I can just kind of strum up the sincerity, then, you know, and once again, God does not answer selfish requests that do not honor his name. Uh, Tony Evans once said this, God is not opposed to greatness. God is opposed to pride. God is opposed to self-centeredness. God is opposed to selfishness. So, So, yes, there are concerns and... I don't believe that we should refrain from asking God for something important just because others might misunderstand us. Okay? Because Psalm 67 isn't addressed to anybody else but God who knows our hearts and who reads our hearts. Psalm 67 has been called a missionary psalm. A missionary psalm. A psalm that seeks the blessing of God so that God's blessing may flow through God's people and extend to the world. And that's what's going on in these verses. From the beginning of the chapter, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Literally, may God do grace 
to us. Or may God make grace upon us. May God be, so in other words, at the very outset, anything in terms of a blessing that flows from this psalm is by the grace of God. And what is grace? Grace is unconditional blessing given to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. That's grace. May God be gracious to us. So everything that follows is of grace. Verse 2, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. God, bless us and prosper us and help us. And why? So that others will see who you are, so that they will know how you work, so that they will understand your dealings with people. So that they will witness your goodness and your mercy and your blessing in our lives and get curious about who you are. And ultimately find themselves praising and worshiping you. That's what we see in verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Now do you notice In Psalm 67, verse 3 and verse 5 are word for word identical. You see that? That's intentional. That's on purpose. And now would be a good time to tell you how Psalm 67 is organized, how it's structured. Because it's a song. And songs have structure to them. And so let me explain it this way. Um, so those of you who attended university, um, um, you have been, or maybe you have experienced, or maybe you know someone who were, they were part of the Greek system, the fraternity or sorority system, okay? So tell me what this letter is in the Greek system. It's our X, but what is this in the Greek system? Chi, that's right, it's chi, there we go. It's the Greek letter chi. And so, chi, that's the pattern of this psalm. It's called a chi pattern or a chiastic pattern because the pattern is that of the X. And here's what I mean. So verses 1 and 2 correspond with verses 6 and 7. And then verse 3 corresponds word for word with verse 5. And then verse 4 is in the center of the X. X marks the spot. It's called a chiastic pattern. Let's uh, let's just say the word chiastic on three. One, two, three. Chiastic. One more time. One, two, three. Chiastic. It's a chiastic pattern. And and the reason why I mention that to you is because... um, The Bible is saturated with this particular style of writing. And it was utilized to help people remember and to memorize Scripture. And so, even in the Gospels, here's an example of a chiastic verse. Jesus said, whoever um, humbles himself will be exalted, and whoever exalts himself will be 
humbled. See, you already know. That's a chiastic pattern. Uh, the first will be last, and the last will be first. You got it. A chiastic pattern. In a chiastic pattern, the very center of the crossroads is the big idea of the passage. And so the big idea is in verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. And by the way, it would be appropriate to mention this little word that shows up twice in this chapter. It's in italics in my Bible. Maybe it's, uh, it is in yours as well, but it's on... In the margin, it's the word S-E-L-A-H, Selah, Selah. Remember, this is a song that was thought to have been a musical term, which means pause. It's, a, it's like a, a musical rest, okay? It's, so so and the idea is this. You get to this verse, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Pause. Why? Sit in that for a little bit. Just sit in that. Just kind, of, just kind of pause and think about that. Let that soak in. Right? See, the word equity in verse 4 means even-handed or impartial. That is to say, God, you don't show favoritism. You do not show favoritism. Nation, tribe, Race, you treat people even-handed. And then the word guide, you see that? That's the same word that you'll find in the 23rd Psalm. And he leads me or he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So wherever God leads you, it is ultimately going to be for his name's sake. It's going to be for your good. All right? He guides me. Wow. The point is that God not only wants to bless his people, he wants to bless all people. God, you care about everyone the same way that you care about me. So, Psalm 67 says this. Here it is. Oh God, bless my life so that people in my life would see my life and worship you. And worship you. That's verse 7. The word fear and worship are interchangeable. That people might fear you, God, is the same as to say, and people might worship you. Some of your translations have the word worship. The goodness, the compassion, the concern that you have for me, O Lord, is not just for me, but it is for everyone. And it's always been that way. That's why uh, in Genesis chapter 12, when the Lord said to Abram, who became Abraham, the Lord said, I will bless you, and through you, all people will be blessed. That's what we see. That's the prayer of Psalm 67. And later, a descendant of Abraham appeared, who in fact was the blessing to the entire world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, He, that's Jesus, Yeshua, 
the Lord saves. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Don't you see? That's why the nations can be glad and sing for joy. That's why let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. God, you sent your son who is the king of all heaven who came from total eternal prosperity and he impoverished himself so that in his impoverishment he might create a kingdom a royal kingdom of priests. Chiasm. Prosperity. Poverty. So that he might bring those impoverished by their sin into this eternal glory of heaven. Amen. Wow. So Lord, we want you to use what is seen to reveal the unseen. And do that. Do that. Do that as far as our church family goes. And I am here to tell you that God is answering that prayer. God is using the physical, tangible flourishing that we can see to affect the lives of people who come through the doors of this church community. And I'm thinking of uh, something very specific. Last week, I uh, had lunch uh, with Sarah, my wife, and we had guests around our uh, lunchroom table. And uh, we had, uh, they were students. My wife teaches English as a second language. And so she had her students come over. We had uh, someone uh, from Iran, we had someone from Colombia, we had someone from Mexico. Uh, in her class this year, uh, she has students from Congo, um, she has students from uh, Korea, uh, from China, and uh, the nations gather. <laughs> and uh, due to um, budget issues pertaining to uh, where she teaches, she's not going to be able to start her English as a second language class until... February, and she came home and she said, Randy, this is just not good enough. So I need a room at the church. Um, starting January 12th, uh, one of the rooms that uh, had been a part of our campus improvement project uh, for my students, and we're going to meet three or four times before then the official class begins. And... So the pastor's wife gets what the pastor's wife wants, <laughs> right? So anyway, <laughs> but um, she'd kill me if she heard me say that right here. So anyway, so our secret, all right? Circle of trust. <laughs> it's a big circle here today. But I'm just thinking, wow, thank you, Lord. Because, you know, two years ago, we didn't foresee this need and... Um, but you all went all in. And look what God has done. 
in creating the kind of facility where the nations can gather. That's just one example. Um, I'm thinking of uh, the maze, which took place last October. Uh, it was kind of a Halloween uh, alternative, and we had students, uh, we had over 800 come. And again, this is, this, see, this is an example of God using um, physical, tangible, financial prosperity to affect change in people's lives. That's what's going on here. And, and it's for His glory. It's for His glory. And lives are being changed in just a few moments. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Pam and Greta. Uh, Valina Claiborne, our outreach director, will be uh, uh, introducing these godly ladies who lead living alternatives. Again, physical, tangible blessings to effect lives for eternal glory. Um, God, bless my life so that people in my life will see my life and worship you. That's Psalm 67. Bless me in my business. Make it prosper so that people will see your hand in my life and start asking questions. God, prosper me so that when I speak, they'll pay attention. God, help me do well in my schoolwork so that when I contribute to my class, I'll have credibility and I'll be taken seriously. And then that will lead them to think seriously about you. Bless me in my vocation. Help me be the expert so that others will see the expertise that you've given me in my vocational learning. But let them also see my life and my example and my humility so that they come to the conclusion, you know, there's something remarkable about her. There's something remarkable about him. You know, I don't know God, but I get the strong impression that he does, and that makes me curious about God. I want what she has. Whenever I'm with her, it reminds me of, of heaven. What if? What if we, who were in hot pursuit of God's blessing, received a blessing from him, and as a result of this physical, tangible blessing, a level of credibility is established by the way we steward that blessing to the degree that our community turns to God who then blesses them. Wouldn't it be great to be a uh, Genesis 39 verse 3 church? What's that? It's this. His master saw that the Lord was with him. This is about the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph had a boss, a master, whose name was Potiphar. And when Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord caused all that Joseph did to succeed in his hands, Potiphar got curious. What if that happened here? What if, that, what if our hospitals and clinics prospered because of the skill of certain people? What if our school board prospered and our school system experienced unprecedented unity and achievement and success because of the skill and example and character of certain people? What if our emergency services just flourished and what if our businesses flourished? What if divorce rate and poverty just plummeted and crime plummeted? And then you ask the question, how is this happening in our region? What's going on? How is this possible? What are the common denominators? What is it? 
and somebody's got to do a PhD research project on this. And they do, and they get to work. And at the end of the project, they conclude that there is only one common denominator behind all of the factors created in this blessing. And that, that one common denominator happened to be people who are catalysts behind this blessing. And they are all Christ-centered believers who happen to attend Windsor Road Christian Church. Don't tell me that can't happen. Because it is happening. And let it happen more and more and more. Because, listen to me. If God's light shines on our faces, our community will never be in the dark. Ever. So would you pray this prayer? Pray it throughout the year. God, bless me so that others will worship you. Bless my life so that the people in my life would see my life and worship you. Pray this prayer. Pray it often. Pray it with the motive and the intent that the psalmist first prayed it. Prayed it for the sake of Christ. Pray it for the blessing of others. Pray it. Because anything, anything that helps me glorify God is a blessing indeed.